Thank you for listening to the Roundtable Consult, where we discuss political and social issues that matter to you from a spiritual, medical, and legal perspective. Join the conversation with your host, Attorney Sonia Madison and Dr. Mark Williams. Good morning and welcome to the Roundtable Consult. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Williams, and I'm joined today again, finally, by my uh, with my wonderful co-host, attorney <laughs> Sonia Madison. How you doing, Sonia? I'm doing good. I like that you said finally, because I know you missed me. It's, it's all good. Did, were, you, were, you, were you gone somewhere? Did we, what happened? I remember last week we had such a wonderful, wonderful show. I mean, we probably had the highest viewership that we've ever had. And uh, All right. And right. Well, sadly, all credit day goes to Sonona and Doris on that. <laughs> such man hatred <laughs> such man hatred no wonder you were alone on valentine's day no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh? oh the low blows all right all right <laughs> i mean you're the one who's looking at the cross-eyed buck teeth guys but <laughs> you told me that's your standard cross-eyed and buck teeth <laughs> i'll never forget that one so I can see why your choices would be slimmed and limited. To that, you know? And it has nothing to do with your appearance. It's your personality, I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what are you trying to say? <laughs> I mean, so nah. you, are you one of those that tells people, Sonia has a good personality <laughs> when they, when they want to know? I would never tell you that. I say like, she's a very pretty girl. <laughs> oh, she is so pretty. Yeah. <laughs> You just have to keep reminding yourself of that when she starts talking. <laughs> like, she's so pretty. <laughs> no. So I, I, I feel like Andre 3000 when he says, hey, I don't want to hear me. You just want to dance. Right. <laughs> Speaking all that truth. <laughs> People don't want to hear that truth. <laughs> well, I did miss you just a little bit last week. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I do want to make sure I thank Sonona Williams and Doreese Williams, not only for making you and Chris better people, because I know that takes a lot of work, <laughs> but also Whatever. for being on the show and providing that great positive energy that is often missed when I'm not here. So, yeah, sure. <laughs> Exactly. It was a lot of positive energy. It really was. Not one insult. So how did you do it? Did you do anything special for Valentine's Day? Not anything out of the ordinary. I mean, I, I did watch some movies and just took a break and I loved on some family and friends. I mean, it, it's a love day in general. It doesn't have to, you know, just be between two people who are intimately involved. But I don't or know if you've heard the term or romantically. You don't know if you heard the term Valentine's Day. Um, Never you might have seen that. <laughs> I must just be for single people, <laughs> single lonely people. We call it. I was gonna say, time. just a reminder to our viewers: we are of two different generations, and so let me. <laughs> 
<laughs> school march generation. No, yeah, they, so they, they they take the V and they call it gallons, like a girl's day. So it's for, you know, a lot of girls will for hang lesbians? out with each other. No, haha, no girlfriends. Like, oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. although there's know. nothing wrong with if, if the lesbians are celebrating their Valentine's Day, saying, but that's what that's what I would call Valentine's Day. That's for gals, gals. Oh, okay. uh, so do they have one for guys? Will they call it Valentine's Day? Hey, I'm not a guy. That says hey. obviously not, since you, you don't seem to have romances at- with other people over here. <laughs> <laughs> Is it, they used to call it a bromance. <laughs> I don't have any friends. I don't have any friends. People don't like me. But I'm going to go get some friends and tell them, hey, let's go celebrate Palentine's Day <laughs> while the girls are celebrating Galentine's Day. Galentine's Day, yes. Because yeah. we value, as women, we value those friendships. We'll have to work on you expanding that to your male friends. Yeah, yeah. Celebrate I, those friendships, uh, Dr. Williams. So <laughs> I, I had a, I had a conversation with uh, one of my best friends here in Nashville. My best friend here in Nashville. I had a conversation with him the other day, and we were contemplating. We were saying, how often do you really need to talk to someone to consider yourselves good friends? For me, I, I made the comment. I said, I really don't need to talk to people that often. You know, I can talk to you once or twice a year and still consider you a really a good friend for me. And um, and often one of the reasons why and maybe I shouldn't have said this to him because I hope he didn't. He knows we say all kinds of crazy <laughs> stuff. Together. But I said, you know, most a lot of times I call out of obligation because I know, you know, it's been a while. You haven't talked to your friend. You need to call and you need to nurture that friendship. And that's one of the things that that motivates a call. Uh, but then I also have friends who who reach out to me frequently by text. And I'm like, oh, man, I didn't even think to text them. And so maybe I'm just a bad friend or maybe I maybe you would say that I'm a good friend who's a low maintenance type of guy. What do you think? What's your <laughs> you thoughts? are a bad friend. Not on me. But I, will. <laughs> I don't, <mean. laughs> or, or I don't know. If I, <laughs> I don't know if I define a close friend as someone I catch up with once or twice a year. Um, I mean, I, I would more so put them in the acquaintance category. Acquaintance, um, acquaintance. yeah, because I mean, you're, you're you're pretty much catching up. You're, I don't know. I just see close friends as you. You already kind of know what's going on in my life. I keep you informed with my life, and vice versa. You know, I'm, I, and if I call you, you know, out of my obligation to meet that one or twice <laughs> metric. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's a close friend necessarily. <laughs> that's that. Oh, you know, let me make sure they're still alive. Okay, you still good? All right. <laughs> See you next year. Yeah. Whereas, you know. <laughs> you know, at some point, how much do you have to talk about? I've known people who say, you know, I talk to my best friend every morning or every day. I'm like, oh, my God, how do you maintain <laughs> such a thing like that? That's That's too much. That is way too much for me. I don't have. I don't have time for that kind of friendship. And, but that says a lot coming from you because you you got a lot to talk about. You know, I, do, I do talk a lot, which is interesting. It's, I will admit that it's interesting that I have that perspective because when we get on the phone, we can talk for two hours. Um, and usually in two hours, if I haven't talked to you in a week, in a year, as a matter of fact, I talked to another friend of mine from uh, my best friend from medical school. Spoke to him for about two, two and a half hours, caught up. That was the first time in a year or so. And, you know, you just pick up where you left off. It's almost like you really haven't <laughs> missed anything. And and I still consider him a good friend. And I'm sure he would consider me a good friend as well. I mean, because we know that um, if 
either one of us needed each other at any moment, we could always call on each other and we will be right there. We would not have missed a step. And so I don't think that the validity of my friendship or the strength of my friendship is, is validated somehow or another or diminished by the frequency of our phone calls. Now tell me, during that time you were in medical school, was it just once a year hit up then too, or were you guys frequently talking? No, my friend here in Nashville made a comment because I was that came up in the conversation. He made he 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 mentioned well some of that you can't do that when you're developing the friendship. Obviously, when you're developing the friendship, it requires more frequent interaction and you <clears throat> and uh, consistency. So that you get to know each other, you know where each other's going. But at some point or another, the relationship evolves to where you don't have to spend as much time in order to validate that relationship. And um, by the same token, in my maybe I shouldn't say this, but maybe my <laughs> wife might feel differently. But in our marriage, you know, we courted each other for a period of time. And and there were some things that we did during courtship that are no longer really necessary. Some dances mm -hmm. that we did during courtship you that are no longer necessary. Trust me, there are some things that she did during courtship that are no longer necessary, you know, <laughs> because we know each other. We know which each other's cycles are. We know what each other's uh, vibes are. We know when we need to step up and do something. Uh, and if we should happen to misgauge that, the other one will say, hey, you need to you need to say hi to me when you walk in the door. <laughs> so I'll say hi. Oh, that no. Doreen's just saying she requires so little. <laughs> <laughs> and I require little. I re we, we just let each other. It's good to be in a relationship where you just let each other be and you fall out. You fall into a good balance, a little homeostasis, and neither one of you are having to um, perform an extreme performance in order to keep the other one happy. It's look, you're here We're I know you're here. I know you got my back. I talk to you whenever I want to talk to you. I don't have to feel pressured to talk to you. If we sit in a room together and we don't say much of anything, we're both okay with that. If we sit in this in separate rooms for a period of time, we're okay with that. But when it's time for us to come together and have our conversation and have our talks, we know we're going to do that. One thing that I do require one thing I say, if I leave and when I come home, I expect a kiss and you don't know, just leave without with anything like that. But it's my only expectation. She'd probably hey, tell you that's that, a that lie. But... <laughs> I was going to say she's still got to get her mind right for that. <laughs> for that kiss. No, you got you to kiss me like you mean it, too. Don't give me one of those little bye. No. Give me a kiss like you is going to be the last one that you get because it just may be. You never know. So you don't take those types of relationships for granted. And and yeah. I, I'm grateful that I do have friends that are that extend grace to say, you know, I know that your friendship is genuine. And even if life keeps you busy to where you don't make the phone call every other day or once a week, then I'm not threatened by that. Well, you know, it's interesting that you, you're talking about, you know, just, I guess, relationships in general, because I recently I kind of want to get your thoughts on this. So New York City waitress was fired because she refused to take the COVID vaccine test. And so and I just bring that up because, I mean, you're, you're talking about in the employment setting, th these are relationships. And mm. so, you know, to some degree, 
uh, people do get upset and, and they take it personal when an employer fires someone and, or, or even when an employee leaves because you think there, there was an investment interest or a vested interest in there. Um, she's obviously upset. I mean, she, she claimed that one reason she didn't want to take the virus and I hope hopefully or the vaccine, hopefully you'll speak on this as well, is because she was concerned about fertility issues. And I know that that's been something that's been heavily addressed in the medical community. Um, but a lot of people, of course, have been asking me, hey, can an employer require you to take the vaccine? Um, and, you know, right right now, yeah, they, they can because their argument is hey, we're trying to make sure we have a workplace that is safe and, um, you know, conducive for everyone. And that the experts, the science people like you are saying that this virus is in the air. So, <laughs> you know, it, it's recommended to take the vaccine. What that may change over time once more becomes of it. But what are your thoughts on one, her refusing it for fertility issues, but two, also the employer from this perspective, taking the interests of employees and, and terminating her employment because she refused to take the vaccine. Yeah. I don't know that there is any, uh, I don't know what her concern about the fertility issues is. Uh, granted, I don't, I'm, to my knowledge, there has not been any um, reports on this current vaccination on it impacting an, an individual's fertility. I think where some of that conversation has come from is a lot of conspiracy theorists who, and particularly anti-vaxxers who are conspiracy theorists, who claim that Bill Gates is out to limit the population of the world. And, <clears throat> and as a result, is slipping in anti-HCG vaccination type uh, uh, vaccines into the mixture. So that, I don't know if you've heard the, the, the allegations that they've had there, that Bill Gates is trying to fertilize all of the African children and they're trying to do genocide no, because of that. Oh man, it's a, it's a whole group of people I mean, I know there's a lot of conspiracies out there. out there with Bill Gates, but yeah. you know, I haven't caught up with each of them. <laughs> yeah, but but that's probably where that's birthed from. They, they believe that, you know, in a TED talk, he mentioned, you know, one way that we can reduce carbon emissions is to d slow population growth. The earth is overpopulated. And, and he said, if we did our jobs right with vaccines and other things, um, then we can slow down the the population growth. And that got him into a lot of trouble. And so people think now vaccines are now directed to slow the population growth. And <clears throat> if, if that's the rationale behind it, I think that that's an unfounded fear. I don't think that businesses should compromise their values and their brand uh, because somebody is, is owned to a certain conspiracy theory. And so in that regard, I think it's, it's reasonable to maybe even require, I certainly hope that none of the places that I work at will require a vaccination, but I think we are headed down that pathway. And then you just have to get into the situation where you, you're gonna take a moral stand. If you're just that much against vaccinations, then refuse it and then suffer the consequences of it, whatever those yeah. may be. Yeah. And, and it's going to be even more interesting if, because um, I have found that you can get a doctor's note for just about anything. No, no dig on you guys' profession, but you do tend to excuse people from a lot. So, you know, the, the argument is going to eventually come up is someone's going to say, hey, I need an accommodation not to take the vaccine for some disability. And then you've got the Americans with Disabilities Act implications up in there. Um, and so then ultimately an employer is going to have to decide, is it 
more advantageous to look at the interests of your other employees or particularly if you're a customer facing type position or or employer company uh, we're talking about then customers the safety and, and health of your customers or if you are going to allow this accommodation and, and try to put whatever barriers in place to, to limit their contact. And a lot of people, given that we are in this pandemic and so many people work from home, I can imagine a lot of people are going to argue that, hey, I don't have to be in the facility to do my work. So I should not be required to take the vaccine. I can just work from home and therefore still be able to do the job. But it's going to be interesting as 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 Biden is assuring us that what is it he's got it down to April now or are we in July that everyone July. will be in July. July. <laughs> They'll be able to <laughs> be take it. Yeah. 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 Uh, I think I, I think I've already kind of decided I think I'll, I'll probably take the vaccination only because I just miss traveling. Uh, you know, it's, mm. it's <laughs> and I'd imagine, you know, that's probably going to be a requirement, but, but I also feel like the more people are taking in, the more that we're not seeing fatalities or, or I guess, symptoms that are very hazardous, then the more comfortable I am with the vaccines that are coming out. And that's all dependent on if you believe the data that's being presented. And there are a lot of people who are strongly anti-vaxxers who believe that the data is manufactured. And so there's no amount of convincing that they'll have uh, that the vaccination is safe because they have a broad distrust. But that brings up a very interesting uh, topic because companies that require it, um, either for their safety of their customers, uh, the things that they'll have to do is, um, or for the safety of their employees, the things that they'll have to do is consider what's the impact that that has on that business as a place to work and the attractiveness of, of, of the business as a place to patronize. And uh, I'm glad that we've got our host, I mean, our guest on today, who is going to perhaps shed a little bit of light into how we actually manage uh, and maneuver these situations and protecting our brand as our society often change. Would you like to introduce our guest? Sure. So our guest is Terrence Height, who is a business owner of the brands and the, or the business and the brand. And what the company does is they are kind of like a management consultant firm that helps with brand day marketing strategies, as well as operational processes for entrepreneurs, as well as already established businesses. So thank you for joining us, Terrence. Absolutely. Thank you all for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. No problem. Now, you know, one of the things that we saw this past week, and, and we've been seeing it, you know, in the past couple of weeks, is how important branding is. And I want to start with, first of all, Ted Cruz has been the news. Right. And I, I feel like he has come from, you know, before he did his campaign in 26, he was branded as this super religious conservative who, mm-hmm. you know, very, of course, was strongly against abortion, but it was still that conservative, hey, I wouldn't do traditional business and stuff. And now he's branded as a Trump supporter, especially since Trump dissed his wife. And, you know, and now we've got an incident where he goes to Cancun, despite Texas being (laughs) frozen to some degree. (laughs) So, so with that being said, you know, because I know, I think a lot of people, they look at branding as well. It's only if I want to have my own business, but just talk to, talk to us a little bit about how branding, regardless of if you're on your own or if you're with a company or public servant, whatever, mm-hmm. how it affects your ability to market yourself or ability to even be perceived as 
you know, successful to companies and, and customers. So like, right. Th- that's a great question. I might even use that on like a webinar or something because the, the <laughs> example, because it's like your brand is more than just the outside. We always say your brand is more than just your website. People come to us and say, Hey, build us a website. We're like, okay, but what are the things on the back end? The example we give um, is, you know, when you, you see a company that says call now, you can call the company and you can never get in touch with them. So you're out here giving false expectations. So I think that's similar with the, the Ted Cruz thing. I mean, you're saying all this thing about, you know, being this type of person, but yet you go on vacation and ditch it. And now uh, AOC has flown down to, I think, Houston uh, and then raised all this money while you left. Mm-hmm. So now, I mean, it, I, I don't know. And even her brand changed from there. Because, right. I mean, I think people identify her as, oh, she's this, this green new deal all about, you know, right. extreme progressive policies. But this helped her brand to, you know, go raise, I think, up to $4 million. And, and while Ted Cruz is mm-hmm. escaping to, to Cancun. So, right. <laughs> so, yeah. then, so tell me, how, how do you establish your brand or come up with your, what your brand is going to be and then put in mm-hmm. and, and what processes to put in to grow it from there? Right. So we're very, very fundamental in, in what we do. And we that's why the, the whole operational branding exists, which is making sure that the operations of the back end inside of your business actually support it. Uh, and then from the. Um, can you all hear me? Sorry. I'm yeah, trying to take can. my mic. OK. Anyway, <laughs> so the, the, um, the inside of your, your, your business is in alignment with the outside of your business. So what you're marketing. So. You really have to do understand first of all what is your mission you know what are you existing for what are you going towards and that's what's going to really help shape the different activities and things that you do along the way so you're not going to be saying hey i'm, I'm a cupcake company but then now i want to go sell you know makeup that doesn't make sense and it's not aligned then you're going to have brand confusion so it's just really looking at the fundamentals and why you exist and kind of basing everything off of that over time that's a big loaded question what is your mission I don't even know if Dr. Williams knows his mission and purpose yet. Right. <laughs> My mission and purpose is to make a lot of money and die. Hey, I like <laughs> No, and it impacts some lives positively, hopefully for the kingdom of God on the way awesome. in between. Mm. Right, right. But, it's something but I mean, know. say you have a client that comes and says, hey, listen, I just want to make a lot of money. Because mm-hmm. you see, I'd imagine you see a lot of people thinking, okay, what job will make me the most money and let me find that job, whether that's investments or, or whether that's playing basketball, whatever they think will, right. will get them out of a current situation. So then how it do ain't you practice in medicine? Right. <laughs> I'll tell you that now. No. I missed that boat. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, we didn't really talk about this a lot, but the doctor that handled the Gorilla Glue, I mean, again, another branding issue, but I mean, he, he was a chemist, but I mean, he, he's been played as a plastic surgery on reality TV. So I guess to your point, it wasn't the medicine. It was the reality TV that subsequently gave him the money that he needed. But, um, but nonetheless, I, I just, for those interested in the medical field, don't let Dr. Williams fool you. Um, but, <laughs> but, but Terrence, yes. How do you get them to hone in or figure out what that mission is, particularly when you're dealing with people that are just looking at the end goal? I think the first thing we say is, look, we're non-judgmental. You know, um, we consider ourselves conscious capitalists, right? So we understand there's a system there. Um, but at the same time, we're conscious about things going on around us. So there are people out there who are motivated by money, but we let them know that you're going to have to be motivated by something more than money because you can't. Money is a byproduct. 
of what you do. So you're not going to reach that level of satisfaction ever. We can let you talk to people with money if, if that's what it takes. But if that's what you want to do, we can help you get there. Just know that you're not going to be fulfilled anymore. We just kind of have that transparent conversation from the beginning. And we try to too, tend to stay away from people who are not working towards some type of mission, especially if they don't, don't have some type of social impact objective. It's kind of like, okay, you know, it, the world, there's so much opportunity out there. You know, we want to make sure that we're aligning our brand, uh, you know, people who value the same thing. But we will help you make a lot of money. You said we're non-judgmental. Is that what you said at the beginning? What was that? Right, non-judgmental. Exactly. Right. If that's your thing, then hey, okay, you know, <laughs> you make a bill, so, hey, let's go for it. But that's interesting that you said that because mm -hmm. um, I'm looking at in this in this society, we're talking about a lot of cancel culture, right. and right. people talk about uh, mostly from the right side of the political spectrum. They they criticize cancel culture mm -hmm. and then they'll call it censorship when people are canceled because of it and I, I i maintain i said this is not censorship this is capitalism that's the way that capitalism works <laughs> these companies have a brand that they need to maintain is absolutely. that correct yeah, and if their affiliation with someone is not uh, a favorable mm -hmm. affiliation and one that's going to keep the money coming in because they have to answer to mm -hmm. their stockholders and to their mm -hmm. to their co-owners and investors if that person, if an affiliation with that person is not beneficial to the bottom line, they're going to let you go. And so I, I think that's one of the, perhaps the best thing that, that I can see about uh, capitalism is that it can help to maintain a certain level of um, decorum and or a level of acceptability, what's acceptable as determined by the society, not necessarily by your particular rules that you live by. No, I, I absolutely agree. And that's why I think is that the reason that capitalism has such a bad image is because so many people are taking advantage of it. Um, I think it was designed in you know, nature and of itself to have that those competitive, you know, forces. And that's what, what you know, allows things to exist. But when people come in and then take advantage of it, you know, because they're corporations that have, you know, monopolized industries and they just can or take advantage of specific groups of people, you know, that just messes up the whole the whole thing. Yeah. Which I mean, they can, they will. <laughs> right, right. But, but, but that's, yeah, but that's back to the process. I mean, if you're easily distracted, I'd imagine then that's going to mess up your ability to, to stay focused on your operational processes as well. Right, right. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's why we say narrow is better. Even with us, we've now narrowed down specifically to, um, you know, a man, being a management services organization. So partnering with people who are clients, physicians, and then building different clinics and health centers versus coming in and then helping them with branding and operations and all that. Um, so I'm just saying that to say that narrow is so much better because you'll get so much more longevity. And as my business partner says, the riches are in the niches. So narrow down. <laughs> <laughs> the riches are in the what? The riches are in the niches. I thought you had some pimps as clients for a while. No. <laughs> <laughs> the riches are the what? No. <laughs> this is a family show here, fella. <laughs> and I had to talk to you, I was laughing the entire intro of you all saying I was crying over here. <laughs> Welcome to the round table, Terrence. <laughs> no, no judgment here either, right? <laughs> no judgment. Except that which comes from Sonya toward me. It's all the time. So we miss it. <laughs> but you know, it's interesting that you bring up hospitals because New York, uh, mm -hmm. I mean, we know the governor's in trouble, but they're well, in trouble for not reporting 
um, the number of mm -hmm. nursing home deaths as it relates to the COVID. So, you know, imagine they come and say, hey, Terrence, we need your help here. What, what, because their branding right now isn't looking too good. So what, how, would you, how would you help them out here? Biggest thing I say is just tell the truth. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> let's pull back the layers of the onion. Uh, you know, let's see, okay, what does it look like back here? And then, you know, you know, come out and just tell the truth about the situation. Um, you know, was it a mishap? Uh, you know, was it an oversight? It may have been a technical glitch or something. I mean, uh, you know, we always want to get the benefit of the doubt. Um, but I don't know. Then I hired the attorney. <laughs> what, what if it was intentional because they knew their brand was at stake? I mean, are you... Okay, how can I kind of spin this and get around the legal <laughs> and say, uh, you know, we, kind of, we had to do it. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. No, See, the, the te mm. telling the truth today will get you canceled. Right. And and that's and that's why I'm I'm really curious about uh Ted Cruz's response. And right. his his response was, Yeah, the truth was that we I think if you tell the truth, you have which to response? Add a caveat. Which you have response, to tell the Mark? truth. <laughs> you have to tell the truth with a caveat. <laughs> and so this is what I thought was pretty uh convenient. He said, Well, the plan was originally to go to spend the weekend, but as soon as I sat down on that plane. I realized that I probably should change my mind. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> all right. So before any of this even came out, before anyone had to correct me on this, you know, I, in my own self, in my mm -hmm. own conscience, realized that this was not the right thing to do. So I determined at that moment that I would just drop my family off and return back to my constituents. And, you know, come on, dude. But there was the <laughs> truth in there. He did still tell the truth and that his original plans was to go to spend the weekend. I was going to say, I didn't hear that, that was caveat. the original plan. I heard the original plan was to just drop them off and come back. But then he later came out and said, but you know, I sat on that plane. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because, because yeah. so I feel like he's been telling a lot of stories. I'm not sure which one uh, right. is, is he trying to make stick. But, but what are you thinking here, Terrence? What do you what do you think about his brand right now? You know, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's I think it's it may be damaged to people that are not supportive. But then I mean, you saw what what the past his predecessor, you know, guy did. I don't even want to speak on the name, but you know, <laughs> say all these things and will still have support. So it's kind of like you know, does the truth even matter? But I think too. We're in a point where, especially with like new generations, some of the generations, um, you know, us, the Zennials, right, where vulnerability is is kind of being accepted more, right? So, so yeah, you have that cancel culture, but I think that level of vulnerability, vulnerability through truth, being truthful with your brand, I think it's going to, you know, show that authenticity over time because it's been such a, a pushback and, and such, so many falsehoods pushed, you know, on society for so long by corporations and stuff. Yeah. Maybe the best advice is to tell the truth from the beginning and right. to be truthful right. from the beginning instead of having to come back and, and fix depends, other things. Depends on what the truth is, because let's be right. honest, Ted Cruz's right. truth right. was, uh, I didn't want to see here in the cold no more. So, right. <laughs> I don't want to go to Cancun. Right. I had the money. Right. At the riches, I was going to take my niches right. and, get to, <laughs> and get to Cancun. <laughs> Right. <laughs> so then he got caught and now we got mm -hmm. we gotta figure out a story after that <laughs> what will be our truth then right right yeah well let me ask you this question so some would argue that everybody has a brand whether they know it or not would you agree with that 
Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think you're a walking brand. And, and that's something that I kind of disagreed with for a long time because I was all of my mentors in business were traditional mentors, which are, you know, build the business. Don't put your face on it. You just put the business out there. But now what we've seen is that with social media, you have to be tied to it. So you see a lot of CEOs like the CEO of T-Mobile. Um, you know, it, it's big to be an entrepreneur and be a CEO whose face is tied to it. Jeff Bezos and Amazon, you know, all the different CEOs that are known. So I, I think you have to have your brand tied to it. I mean, I think you do have a, a brand to that. Mm. Is that a, is that a negative? Because if you brand the tie, if you tie the brand mm-hmm. to an individual, right, then that really holds that individual much more accountable, and it holds right. that individual perhaps even much more liable to the company. And how does a company then separate itself from a brand, mm-hmm. uh, an individual brand that it has so closely linked itself? And, and that's I think that thin line that we're kind of navigating through right because this is something I, I will be honest over the past year i just accepted it i was at first like no no and i'd argue back and forth with all the marketing and creative people but then you start to see the emergence of these ceos so i mean that said i don't honestly i don't honestly know what the future holds maybe it's, it's businesses that pop up with different um you know heads and then you know that head that whoever the head of that business shapes the entire culture and then the culture has to shift with the next one and we just tie the businesses that way. Um, I just think it's definitely, a, we're in a new wave of business and it's just kind of like, hey, we have to wait and see. Hmm. So if I'm going to tie the business to my face and to my image, uh, do I need to tie it also to my name? So should I name it the offices of Dr. Mark Williams or should I just call it Ear, nose, and throat specialist in Nashville. <laughs> right, right. And I'm like Trump Tower, Trump Tower, right, and then right. Donald Trump. <laughs> right. And this, it's, it's kind of a, a pros and cons thing, and that's where it goes back to what is your mission? Are you trying to create generational wealth? And you use your goal to pass this down to your children, to your children, children, regardless of what they do with it? Or do you want to just, you know, be in for five years, build a business, and sell it? If that's the case, you don't want to necessarily tie your name to it. So it's kind of, you know, up, up to your preference as to what you want to do. I'd imagine, and, and this may not be true, but I imagine for tax reasons, if you tie yourself to the business, you then start writing off everything you do that's related to the branding of yourself. Because it's it's almost as if, like you said, social media gets then tied to it. Um, if right. you participate in interviews or you, or you go somewhere like Kim Kardashian, you know, you go travel, you're writing that off to some degree because one, you're on a reality show, but two, I mean, that is your brand. You're, you're, supporting or building this lifestyle and, and saying, hey, <laughs> this right, is who right. I am. Right. And so so I guess my, one of my questions is, you know, for all those people that are are like, man, you talking you telling me that I'm a brand, even though I'm not intentionally trying to put out a message. I mean, what, do you then tell them to embrace it? Do you tell them to get off social media? I mean, how, how do you then <laughs> advise them? <laughs> Look, I'll say this as a company that manages social media. I'm so like, ah, when it comes to social media, like I, I'm forced to be on it again. It's something I just had to accept. So I will openly say that. But I feel like, again, it's kind of, you can try, there are ways, you know, in brands out there, we don't know executives of. So you can, you know, of course do that with your business. But it's just that it seems to me that there's more of a benefit and I say embrace what's coming with social media and all the interconnectivity across the world and say, you know, put yourself out there. And again, that extra layer of, of vulnerability is going to be what, you know, is going to actually attract, uh, you know, more people towards your clients towards you with whatever your line of business is. Um, so I, I say don't necessarily shy away from, uh, you know, having that brand and, and being vulnerable. But if it's not for you, then hey, you know, step back and just stay behind the scenes. 
if you don't know how to tell the truth and bite your tongue, huh? <laughs> then you might want to. Consumers market will tell you. I mean, people are not, you know, people are not dumb to think, you know, uh, consumer over time. It, it, that's part of that, again, the back end, you're lying about what's going on in the operations of your business. Your brand is saying one thing, then boom, you're exposed and then realize, whoa, this company is just completely off. So that happens all the time. And we see brands go down fast. So. Mm. So you you may mention before, if you know that um, as you're starting your business, if it's good to have an idea of where you'd like this thing to go. Right. Um, but the reality of it is, is that most of us, when we go into a business, we really don't identify. We don't know what the end is going to be. We can plan. Right. But then along the course, serendipity happens. And then you say, right. wait a minute, this is more if, uh, effective for mm -hmm. us in terms of what the market is requiring from us, we need to then rebrand. I'll use the example when I started, when I started my recording, when I first released my first national recording project entitled everything available. I was going to say, all insert, of plug. Yes. <laughs> insert plug here. <laughs> but I consulted with several different marketing people and they said, you need to really establish yourself as an artist just yourself as an artist and not attach the doctor piece to it. You may not know I'm an ear, nose and throat doctor. I specialize in voice care. And so they said, drop the doctor from it. And, and we did on the first CD release. It never, it just said Mark Williams, but every radio interview that we got afterwards, they say, Hey, so I want to talk about this piece. We're going to talk about your music, but I think it's so fascinating that you are a voice doctor too. And you're a recording artist. And so after that, it was every interview that we did, that's the focus that they wanted to say. And so the market then demanded or dictated how we rebrand ourselves. And honestly, in my office, I never called myself Dr. Mark Williams. I started calling myself Dr. Mark Williams, not because I was a doctor, but because it was the the brand for the music at that point it mm -hmm. became he became known as the voice doctor and so that's mm -hmm. the only way that i actually became comfortable calling myself a doctor or dr mark williams not because i earned the degree but because i knew it was helpful for the brand right right establish that and so now we had to go back through and rebrand everything so right. um how how does a person then begin to rebrand themselves as they determined that the market did demand something different than the service that they were offering. And I think, so, so you gave a great example right there to really answer the question. It's like, basically, in, in reality, we want to switch those things around to where the discovery piece, which is what you did by going to these radio stations, you're able to do the discovery and say, hey, here's what the market's demanding. Here's what the market identifies me as, and this is what they're attracted to. Now, this is what the brand should be. So it's essentially, um, you did it, and like I said, it's not a right or wrong, but it, it will be done from the beginning in that planning stage of let's just put something out there. That's what we say, start. What's that goal you want to have? Okay, have a vision that you're going towards in the long term, that big, hairy, audacious goal. You want to be the number one, you know, first company to, to fly people to Jupiter. I don't know. And then what is that mission? What's that thing that's going to mold over time that's going to keep you in alignment to, to head toward that vision? And then once you do those things, say, okay, with that, Let's put something out there and see if it sells and see what the market says. And then from there, you develop the brand. So that's like the roadmap that businesses, you know, kind of go through from beginning, you know, up through the startup process. So that requires a constant monitoring and periodic re-evaluation and re-innovation. How often mm -hmm. should a company be looking at, is our brand working for us? Mm -hmm. And how do we gauge, is the brand working for us? 
And I think it's, it's once you get all your technologies in place, because now you have to look at you have to look at your social media. You have to be looking at your um, website analytics and social media analytics as well. So having like business profile set up, um, having email marketing software like MailChimp that allows you to email people or text marketing um, software. I think it's called Scipio that allows you to text to market. So look at the data that's in that information. And, and, and then from that, that can basically guide you, um, you know, in terms of, hey, I need to look at this once a month. Here's the responses that we're getting. And then, you know, here are the changes we need to make. There's a combination of, of multiple pieces moving at the same time while still looking at the inside of your business. So it's, it's definitely a, a, a complicated dance, if you will. But that's why it's like really know within yourself what you're good at. Focus on those pieces of the business and then find the partners to bring in and do that. That's specifically why so, I created my company because I wasn't that good at marketing and design. So I, I found that person to come in and supplement that. And then things went up from there. So you just described a lot of things that to me mm. as a doctor, I'm sitting there thinking like, anybody got time for that? Right. <laughs> you know? I was going to say social media is a job in and of itself. <laughs> so as, as a client, as a client, and, and, and if I were not one of your clients and maybe you were trying to win me from another one of the clients uh, from one of your competitors, mm -hmm. what should I be looking for? What should I be demanding from somebody or how should I be gauging if my brand marketing person is mm -hmm. actually effective when I'm looking at SEO optimization and the number of impressions, clicks per month? I mean, right. these are things that, you know, most of us don't even know anything about what SEO even is for that mm -hmm. matter. Mm -hmm. um, what are the what are the pieces of information that a client should demand from someone who they're contracting with um, to provide updates and monitoring services? Right. So so I think the first thing is you as a business have to understand, you know, what are all the marketing you know, channels and marketing avenues you want to do? Do you want to do social media? If so, does that mean Facebook, links, LinkedIn and Instagram? Or does it mean one specific channel? Do you need to do email marketing at all? So once you get all of those pieces together, then it's going to kind of direct you towards the type of firm you need to work with. And I think from there, you need to make sure that that firm is really aligned and understand your brand. There's a lot of companies that we work with that come to us and then they get a website and they're mad because people just put a website together but didn't really look at their brand. So I think it's in really look inside the company and make sure that it was in alignment. So I'm just saying really, really be conscious with who you're working with to make sure that they're aligned with your business because you can waste a lot of time. A lot of people take your money and tell you they're giving you these services and you'd be looking you know, bad in the air. But the last part is I, I kind of gave all those steps just to put out there. This is really what has to happen to make it work effectively. That's why you have to outsource. And it's, again, I, I think about, you know, just collaboration and finding networks of other entrepreneurs who complement your services and then just, just partnering in those ways to get your um, to achieve your goals in business. Ooh, a lot of work. Right, right. <laughs> that's why you hire somebody that's to it. do it yeah. <laughs> the business the the business and the brand yes sir. For hire. <laughs> yeah. we'll get you to do the voiceover <laughs> <laughs> the voice doctor in to come in again huh <laughs> Well, well, tell us, Terrence, mm -hmm. you know, before we let you know, cause, go, because I know that we're running out of time. Again, like for people, because I, I think businesses know and understand that they need to make sure that their messages, whatever is being put out in the universe, is 
I guess some degree positive or is within the control or the message that they seek to put out there. But I guess my concern is for these individuals who are branding themselves, especially when we're talking about cancel culture, a lot of times what we see is that someone has posted on Twitter five, six, seven years ago, forgetting that it's there. And then subsequently Mm -hmm. (laughs) it pulls out right when the person peaks at, at their richest stage (laughs) after all the niches um and and then see that the the rug has been pulled out from under them so you know Mm -hmm. what what would you tell people now in terms of the social media messages that you put out or the the people because even friends Mm -hmm. you can associate yourself with someone i remember kelly loffler when she was running Mm -hmm. here in georgia there was a picture of her next to a kkk klansman and i mean you know for some states like New York, that would cancel your career. You know, Georgia, right, right. we had to see, but nonetheless, it wasn't it wasn't helpful. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, what what would you advise people now? Hey, listen, again, your brand, whether you know it or not, right. do they go check, look at some of your old messages, or be have a right. frank conversation with yourself? Hey, am I a good person, or am I not? Or, right, <laughs> or you right. know, how, what what needs to happen here? Yeah. So, so the thing I've heard, and I'm a tech person would have to kind of check me on this, but I've heard that once you put it out there, it's always out there. But I know with social media, like at Facebook, they pop up with your memories from years ago and you go back and, you know, I maybe go back and delete all those right now and every day just check it. Things stupid 10, 15 years ago, you know. Um, but the other part, I think, is just really, you know, being, being, be very, very conscious. And think longer than the next five years or 10 years, because, yeah, it might be something that you do is kind of risque, if you will, now. But in 20 years or 30 years, that's something you want to look back on. Um, and if that's what you want to stand for, you know, I guess, hey, go for it. But then at the same time, it's, it's kind of a loaded question because it's, it's do you really know how you're going to change? You know, your perspective may change in five to 10 years from now. So I just say just again, be very, very just conscious um, with, with, with whatever move you make on social media. You know, it reminds me of Rush Limbaugh, which he passed away. <laughs> and, but depend- <laughs> okay. But depending on that's the thing. That is the thing. To become depending, again, depending <laughs> on who who brings the news, you get a different reaction. I mean, you know, I, and and yeah, I of course went to social media to see how people were reacting, and a right. lot of people were like, "Oh, good riddance, finally, well, let's dig it." Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and and then there were people that were saying, "Oh, that's so offensive to the family," and right. you know, now he's passed away. But the reality is, he was a business, and he was also a brand in and mm-hmm. of itself, and and he seemed to have no regrets for his continued messaging of bigotry and, and racism and division. Uh, and even well into his older age, even upon noticing of his diagnosis, he maintained that same brand of being divisive. And, and so, you know, I guess to some degree, I, I just want to make some people use that opportunity use that ability to bring themselves to make the riches while at the same time oppressing a group of people. And I mean, I think that's also important. If if your mentality is, Hey, I just want to make a lot of money. Well, you can, you can do that while, you know, making a lot of enemies or pulling a lot of people down in the process. Right. Right. Very, no, very, very true. I guess it depends on, uh, I guess it means that you really ought to know who your audience is and know who your market is and remain loyal to that market, probably now more than ever before, uh, where you just are not going to be able to please 
everybody. Right. There are going to be some people, and this is what I'm just learning in my office. It took me a while because I'd like to be one of those guys who can walk into the room and spend five minutes with you and get right out and go see the next patient uh, so that I'm just getting you through, getting you through. You're in and out of, off- in and out of that office in 15, 20 minutes so mm-hmm. that people can go out and brag, yes, he's so great, and then he gets you in and out. And then I realize that's not who I am. When I see a patient, I'm going to spend time with that patient. I'm going to make sure that that patient understands uh, the information that I'm giving them, understands the treatment, understands everything about it. And guess what? That takes time to do. And if I'm going to take that time with you, I'm going to take that time with the next patient, which means that if you're behind that next patient, uh, chances are you're probably going to have a little longer wait in the office than other people will. So I've just come to accept, say, listen, you're going to prepare. And I'll tell them in advance, prepare to be here for 60 to 90 minutes because you can likely do that. I may have to do a procedure. I may have to book you for surgery and explain everything about that surgery to you and answer all of your questions. But I'm going to offer that courtesy to all patients. And so I'll never be that quick in and out kind of doctor. And if that's what you're looking for, if you're looking for a microwave doctor, don't come see me. But if you want somebody who's going to, if you want a slow cooker, Doctor, crock pot doctor. That's who I am. Gonna, yeah. That's sing my new to brand. Go <laughs> sing to you while you're, while you're waiting. I'm the crock pot doctor. Crock pot right. doctor. I'm going to say, say right people go to his office and his music is playing as, as they wait. Yeah. <laughs> it, is, it is playing on the on hold music. So. <laughs> they did their brand new. You either love him or hate him, my audience. <laughs> Right. You sit in my office, you sit in my waiting area. Guess what else you're going to see? You're going to see a picture of my book. You're going to see not a picture, but my book sitting on an easel. Because I'm selling my book say. there. By the way, it's When a Man Worships. It's available also on Amazon.com. Right. He makes you so proud, Danny Terrence. Right. <laughs> I also ready. <laughs> we really appreciate you coming on to the show. Make sure, I mean, we're going to ask you to say it again, but also want to make sure that you put in the comment section where people can find you. But do remind our audience about, you, you know, where your business or your website, as well as any social media platforms you have. Absolutely, absolutely. So um, I can be contacted at, at Terrence Height Jr. And I'll put that in the comments. Uh, all social media platforms, you just search for that. Then our website uh, is www.thebusinessandbrand.com. Dot com. Um, and again, we work with um, physicians and we help them, uh, you know, how do we support them uh, with, with administering care into communities? That's that's our biggest focus and what we're looking at. So um, we definitely love to work with um, other small businesses as well. So feel free to reach out. Let me ask you this question. Is it just mm-hmm. local businesses or is that is what you no. do something that can happen uh, remotely across the country? We do things remotely. So we have clients as far as Japan, the furthest client, and then um, uh, Africa. Hmm. Wow. So what are some of the things that you do for like a doctor's office, which is kind of interesting? I don't know. Why is it that a doctor's office needs to be branded? No, you know, yeah, that's a great question. Oh, yeah. no, it's a job Dr. interview. It's a job Just interview. Dr. Fauci. Why does Dr. Fauci need to be branded? I'm a healthcare professional by trade. Ever since I was 21, when I started working in healthcare on the administrative side and done, you know, up until this point. And that's what the business and brand does is we go in and we realize what's been happening in healthcare over time. And it's changing towards a consumerism environment, regardless of what we say. Um, and then also the, the advent of technology, which is where I come in 
in terms of the sales operations and technology pieces of doctors' offices and hospitals. But that said, you now have to stand out. The fact that you said those things you said about being that crockpot doctor, that's something that attracts a lot of people because a lot of people don't like that fast doctor. But me, I'm the one, I kind of want that five minutes in and out. Okay, let's go. <laughs> but um, again, saying that to say that part of your brand is great, exploit that, exploit it, exploit it, and put it out there because that's going to attract a ton of people that like that type of your, your um, bedside manner and that style. Uh, it's gonna, that's why it's important you know, to have that brand as a doctor and really show that in today's age. And plus with social media, now people can talk about you publicly and, you know, there's no way to get it down. So you have to really make sure that you're managing those expectations, you know, for your, your digital presence or online presence, as it's called. Oh, they know it because as soon as some of them would get the bill, they were like, I'm going online and giving you a bad review. Right. And, and they, <laughs> or if you don't right. like me the prescription that I want, I'm giving you a bad review. Right, and right. They, they know the benefit of that. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's interesting because I've watched some of the transition, even in medicine, before mm -hmm. it um, used to be heavily dependent on, as a specialist, I used to be heavily dependent on physician referrals coming mm -hmm. from primary care physicians. Wow. And I still get a lot of the, my referrals come from other physicians, and I still mm -hmm. depend on and nurture those relationships. Um, but I find that the vast majority of the people who are coming to see me found me online. They right. said, well, I saw you on Google. You had a, you had good reviews and you had a lot of good reviews, which mm -hmm. I'm, and I'm, and I'm like thinking that mentality that how people process things, they'll say, okay, this person actually don't just look at the four star, but they also look to see how many people reviewed it. Yeah. You can have four star review with 13 reviews or five star review with uh, 13 reviews, or you can have 4.5 with 230 reviews or mm -hmm. 2000 reviews or whatever. Right. Um, you help the offices then develop that strategy as well, or do we need to be directly marketing to consumers or do you help them market to the physicians, to uh, referring physicians as well? So it's all over. We use, it's an acronym, B-O-S-S, BOSS, and it's Branding, Operations, Social, and Sales. So we look at those components in the different offices and that's we're going to say, okay, how can we, you know, make sure that these are all in alignment and then help you as a physician's office, um, you know, our physician group reach whatever that goal is. But now what we've done is, is reshaped into a management services organization where we're saying, okay, we'll manage all of those pieces. And then physicians come in and manage the care. How do we work, you know, together uh, in, in a way that's not necessarily done a lot of big corporations um, and then where it's 50-50, you know, you know, physicians are 100% over the care. We're 100% over these pieces. And then we make it work to reach those goals. Hmm. Now, you asked somebody to, I've, I've interacted with several other companies like this before. Mm -hmm. And then right. they asked for these huge exorbitant amounts of money <laughs> right, uh, right. to do that. And the reality is, is that at least with within the healthcare, the mm -hmm. the money only comes when a patient comes through the door. Right. And it's still going to be in a finite amount because you're right. still going to get paid the same amount for a new patient visit mm -hmm. and a follow-up visit. It's always going to, going to be a fixed amount. How mm -hmm. do you then uh, take that into account when you say, okay, I need to increase the number of patients, which means that I'm going to basically be busier. Mm -hmm. I don't know that in, in any other healthcare fields where any other fields or if I were a service industry, mm -hmm. I can say, okay, I'm selling, well, I am in the service industry, I could, but I can say I offer you more services. Mm -hmm. Or if I were in merchandise, I can say, well, if I get you to the door, I can offer you even more merchandise. But as a physician, only thing I can offer you is an evaluation and treatment. Right, right. And then you're gone. 
Right. So I have to then replenish that with someone, especially as a specialist, because then I have to replenish it with someone else. So it's just constantly feeding you money as a marketer, though. Right. 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 And and I think that's where we look at innovative practice models. So and you may already be doing this, but like, are you bringing in, you know, telemedicine, you know, any type of telehealth components that you can bring into your business? Um, Are there other things like you said, selling the book? doing interactive workshops. That's we had some physicians like bring your patients into the office, some of your existing patients, uh, and then, you know, and, and kind of interact with them more. And again, you know, it's definitely different in your case. You're not a primary care doctor seeing the same patients over and over again. So it's a little bit of, you know, finagling that has to be done. But that's also the big challenge as to why we came, are coming from the perspective of let's partner with physicians versus service the physicians, because we ran into that exact same thing. You know, reimbursements are set in a certain amount. Not really too much you can do. You don't want to squeeze patients for, and it's illegal, you know, squeeze patients for, for money. And you shouldn't. So, um, you know, with partnering with the companies like ours who are entrepreneurial allows us to come to these physicians and say, okay, what are some of the things, these big dreams that you all have that you want to do? How can we do those things together to help generate more revenue? Great. Well, I have to reach out to you. Find out <laughs> yeah, what please, we're doing. absolutely. Please do. <laughs> <laughs> I tell Mark all the time I'm associated with great people, but. He oh yeah, yeah. I'm trying to I'm him. trying to wait for some of it to rub out. You would think that some of it would rub off on you. But. <laughs> I mean, wait, when you're already, uh, thank you. And, and everyone comes in and tells Mark, "We talking about science, great." Right. <laughs> That's because they're grateful to have been invited on the show. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no, but thanks again, Terry. So, you, no, especially for having my back, but yeah, also for yeah. <laughs> joining us on the show. Absolutely. Thank you all. all right, we look forward to you. All right. Wish you the best. Oh, well. You and know, again. one thing that we have not talked about, and I think we've kind of purposely but not talked about it, but in case our viewers have been waiting on some insight on it, is this impeachment. And, um, and, and I guess how we feel about it. But I, I think we were a little bit intentional because to some degree we knew the outcome. So it was no mm. point in getting too into it. Pretty much. It happened. <laughs> it happened like we right. expected it to happen. But I will tell you the one thing that I did not expect was the blistering, uh, you know, the lambasting that, um, that, um, McConnell gave afterwards, right afterwards. And I'm sitting there thinking like, he's got a huge brand issue right then and there. Yeah, he by, does. He you does. Know, to say the the comment that he said, you know, well, let's hold off on doing the, take, a, take your time to do the investigation. And then after he dragged their feet with that, and he said, I'm not calling the Senate back in so that we can do the trial while he's still president. And then after he's president, say, I'm not going to vote to impeach him because I delayed everything until after he was no longer president. All of those things. And then finally to come out and say, yeah, he pretty much should have been impeached. (laughs) Yes, he did wrong. But I'm only not doing it because he isn't there anymore. But but you it is no longer there because I delayed. (laughs) But it's well and the people voted. But hey, let's not forget that was no election fraud happening. Um, but what's interesting to your point, there the Republicans that voted to convict him have now been branded as anti-Republican to some degree. I mean, I don't know if you've heard about Kissinger, but his his cousin wrote that letter and submitted it out there and pretty much said hey he's not a christian because <laughs> he he voted against trump that's the bar that they're setting and that's the bed that they're going to have to sleep in 
you know, I don't know that there is a lot of riches in those niches, but that's, that's what it boils down to knowing what your audience is. And they know exactly what their audience is right now. 70, 70% of Republicans are still supporting Donald Trump. And so they're like, that's where our audience is. That's where we have to be. This is what we have to say. Well, I mean, I do hope then a new party comes out of it because I do think uh, the Democrats can at some point take advantage of that. But we're going to see going forward for both parties if if they're going to have to either reposition themselves or if it, a new party gets formed. So, well, viewers, let us know what you guys think. Otherwise, tune in next Saturday, 11 a.m. Eastern Time, right here on Facebook Live, 10 a.m. Central Standard Time. Also, don't forget, we are on um, podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple. So check us out there. Thanks for tuning in, and we will see you next time. <laughs>